Today's show, I want to talk about the language of the birds more generally. In a lot of different traditions, there are a lot of different traditions talk about the, the language of the birds being known as a, as a symbol of wisdom or, or understanding. And there's this more less ethereal or less metaphysical sense of it or whatever in tracking more tangible when we listen to the birds and hear what they're talking about in the other end of the forest as a sign of tracking movement of other animals through the forest or through your backyard or whatever. A great book on that would be What the Robin Knows by John Young, who's been on the show before. But that's a great book for understanding bird language in the technical, scientific, observational way. But then there's a sort of other history of bird language. And I, I'm, I'm, if we have time, I'd like to read a Russian folktale called The Language of the Birds. Um, and then there's some other other neat things that I've been learning about in the Quran. Uh, 2716 says, and Solomon inherited David. Um, he said, oh, people, we have been taught the language of the birds and we have been given from all things. Indeed, this is evident bounty. And then uh, there's there's another thing I could read from the poetic Edas or Edas in sort of Norse tradition about Sigurd uh, killing the dragon Fafnir and then, you know, some things happening and then learning the language of the birds. And I'd like to read that, but I'm going to start with, I love thinking of bird language in this way that's more than just tracking. Um, tracking is very important and it's got deep, deep, deep ancestral roots for every culture on earth. You, you wouldn't be alive here if your ancestors didn't know how to track and hunt. Um, you wouldn't be able to... We, we, some people say that tracking is the origin of writing, right? We, we notice these signs, these patterns in the ground, and they, became to have, they, they came to have meaning for us, and we started interpreting this meaning through these signs, and then we started copying these signs out to interpret meaning for others. So that might be... That was postulated as, as an origin for writing. So tracking is important. It has deep ancestry. And when we talk about using birds and bird language in tracking, it's important to recognize and it has meaning. But I wonder at a meaning behind all that, bigger than that, older than that. And I think that's why I like uh, different interpretations of bird language, uh, language of birds that's, that's older and maybe deeper It is very deep and very widely understood around the world that bird language is important and that we understand that the language of the birds uh, is something that we need to listen to. And those who can maybe have a gift or ha have worked hard or have accomplished something, maybe metaphorically that happens uh, maybe in a different context. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure. But something I like to find, and I've researched a bit, is uh, stories from around the world where understanding the bird language is important or, or is, is, is seen as sort of a, a gift to those who have suddenly gained knowledge or wisdom. And, and one, of the, one of the stories I like is the story of Sigurd. And I'll read this story. It's from the Poetic Edas, uh, the Posey of the Skalds. Um, 
I think the I don't I don't know how to pronounce this properly, but my terrible translation was Scald Scaparmo. And uh that's that's the section from the Poetic Adas. I think it's the third, fourth section. But I have this book, a great Oxford English a book of called The Curse of the Ring, and it's about the ring cycle. And this ring cycle was used in many formats later on. Uh, v- Wagner used it in his ring cycle operas, the three-day opera. Uh, Tolkien used it, you can tell, you know, the Lord of the Rings. Um, that cycle that, that a lot of the names come from Old Norse traditions and Old Norse uh, storytelling that he appropriated. And he did a really beautiful job and I really like it. But they are different from the original Ring Cycle and the original Stories of the Ring. There are some overlaps here and there, but not. I won't get to that. His book is vast. Um, but yeah, I wanted to read some of this, of, of, of Sigurd's tale. Um, I'll, I'll just read part. And But up to this point, uh, Sigurd's a young man. He was raised by a smith named Regan. Uh, some of the stories have different timelines or different things that the characters do. It's been written out in a bunch of different ways, depending on where in the world and what time in the world um, these were written out. The one I know, uh, Odin and Loki were hanging out, walking around. Loki uh, killed an otter. The otter was actually someone's son who was a shapeshifter. He had to he had to pay sort of a blood debt for killing the son. He had to cover up the otter with gold. And then, uh, so Loki went off and got a bunch of gold from a dwarf. The dwarf said, watch out. In that gold, that gold is cursed. And and within that gold, there was a ring. And so Loki came back, covered up the otter almost entirely, but there was a little bit of a whisker hanging out. So he had to take off this beautiful ring that he wanted, that he really wanted to keep. And that was the curse. It was on the ring. And so he used the ring to cover up the otter's whisker. And then that curse then passed on to the family who had demanded the blood money from from Loki. And two of the kids in the family ended up uh, killing their father because they wanted the money. And then uh, one of them, uh, Fafnir and Regan, were the two sons of the family, Fafnir went and took the gold hoard and lived in a cave and became a dragon. And Regan became a smith. And the smith, the smith found this young man, Sigurd, and trained him as a, as a smith and, and built for him a beautiful sword that could cleave anvils. It was, it was a, a, a beautiful sword. It could slice through perfectly uh, through wet wool riding on a river. If you can imagine trying to cut that it would just been yeah you know okay but here's that's the story so far and then after they're trying out the sword they went up to the top of a hill to so that Sigurd could kill the dragon Fafnir for Regan and Regan could get the gold so here's a little bit of the story after that they went Sigurd and Regan to Nidahith there Sigurd dug a pit in Fafnir's way and led himself in ambush therein. And when Fafnir glided toward the water and came above the pit, Sigurd straightway thrust his sword through him, and that was his end. Then Regan came forward, saying that Sigurd had slain his brother, and demanded as a 
condition of reconciliation that he take Fafnir's heart and roast it with fire. And Regan laid down and drank the blood of Fafnir and settled himself to sleep. But when Sigurd was roasting the heart and thought it must be quite roasted, he touched it with his finger to see how hard it was. And then the juice ran out from the heart into his finger so that he was burned, and he put his finger to his mouth. As soon as the heart's blood came upon his tongue, straight away he knew the speech of birds, and he understood what the nuthatches were saying, which were sitting in the trees. Then one spake. There sits Sigurd, blood besprinkled, Fafnir's heart with flame he roasteth. Wise seemed to me the spoiler of rings, if the gleaming life fiber he ate. There lies Regan, sang another. Reed he ponders, would betray the youth who trusteth in him. In his wrath he plots, wrong accusation, the smith of Baal would avenge his brother. Then Sigurd went over to Regan and slew him, and thence his horse, which he named Granny, and rode till he came to Fafnir's lair. He took up the gold, trussed it up in the saddlebags, and laid it on Granny's back, mounted up himself, and then rode his ways. Now the tale is told why gold is called lair, or abode of Fafnir, or metal of Nita Heath, or Granny's burden. So in that story, he hears the language of the birds after tasting the flesh of this dragon. He has to taste the flesh of the dragon. He becomes wise and all-knowing. And that's when he can start to hear the language of the birds. And through the language of the birds, he hears that the guy he's with is out to get him, that he's going to betray him. So Sigurd goes and kills him first before Regan can kill Sigurd. So there are other stories similarly. Um, in different ways, uh, other stories about bird language like that, and then other stories that use that same motif of cooking something for somebody else, smoothing out the blister of uh, fat, getting the fat on their fingers, sticking their finger in their mouth, and then becoming wise. Um, if you want to look up Finn Macu... Mac oh, I'm getting it wrong. Uh, the story of the old Irish poet who was cooking... Uh, the Salmon of Knowledge. But from the Wikipedia page on, on the language of birds, there's a few sources that they talk about from around the world and the culture of understanding bird language through these different cultural analyses. So I, I talked about some of the Norse, and I, I read some of the parts from uh, Sigurd and the Ring Cycle. But in Greek mythology, it says that according to Apollonius, Apollonius Rhodius, the figurehead of Jason's ship, the Argo, was built from oak from the sacred grove of Dodona and could speak the language of the birds. Tarasius was also said to have given the ability to understand the language of the birds by Athena. Language of birds in Greek mythology may be attained by magical means. Democritus, Anaximander, Apollonius of Tyana, Melampus, and Aesopus we're all said to have understood the language of the birds. The birds is also mentioned in Homer's Odyssey. Although I'm no prophet, really, and I do not know much about the meaning of birds, I tell you he will not be long absent from his dear native land, not if the chains of iron hold him fast. So he's saying, you know, like, I may not be so wise that I don't understand, that I understand the language of the birds, but you know, 
So again, it's just an implication that wisdom, with wisdom comes the understanding of the birds. In Middle Eastern folklore, uh, the Quran, like I mentioned earlier, Solomon and David are said to have been taught the language of the birds. Within Sufism, uh, the language of the birds is a mystical divine language. The conference of the birds is a mystical poem of 4,647 verses by the 12th century Persian poet Atar of Nishapur. In the Jerusalem Talmud, Solomon's proverbial wisdom was due to his being granted understanding of language of birds by God. Um, the folklore, in, in different folkloric contexts of, of Europe, the concept also known from many folk tales, including Welsh, Russian, German, Estonian, Greek, and Romani, where usually the protagonist is granted the gift of understanding the language of the birds, either by some magical transformation or as a boon by the king of the birds. The birds then inform or warn the hero about some danger or hidden treasure. One example is the Russian story, The Language of the Birds. And I'm going to read that story. I, we have, I have time to read The Language of the Birds. Um, but there's also a really neat story in, written by the, or collected by the Grimm brothers called The Three Languages. And in that one, a boy learns the language of barking dogs, learns the languages of, of frogs, of croaking frogs, and the language of birds. And this helps him on his way to become um, the Pope. He becomes the Pope at the end of the story. I'm sure there was another version before the Grimm brothers recorded it, maybe pre-Christian version of it. And I'm curious about that too. I like to, I like to go back to the source of these stories as much as you can and find out, but uh, you can't always. And this one, the language of the birds, the Russian fairy tale doesn't seem, seems to have been uh, Christianized over time. So here is that story. Somewhere in a town in Holy Russia, there lived a rich merchant with his wife. He only had a son, a dear, bright, and brave boy called Ivan. One lovely day, Ivan sat at the dinner table with his parents. Near the window in the same room hung a cage, and a nightingale, a sweet-voiced gray bird, was imprisoned within. The sweet nightingale began to sing its wonderful song with trills and high silvery tones. The merchant listened, and listened to the song, and said, How I wish I could understand the meanings of the different songs of all the birds. I would give half my wealth to the man if only there was such a man who could make plain to me all the different songs of the different birds. Ivan took notice of these words, and no matter where he went, no matter where he was, no matter what he did, he always thought, how could he learn the language of the birds? Sometime after this, the merchant's son happened to be hunting in the forest. The winds rose, the sky became clouded, lightning flashed, and thunder roared loudly. The rain fell in torrents. Ivan soon came near the large tree and saw a big nest in the branches. Four small birds were in the nest. They were quite alone, and neither father nor mother was there to protect them from the cold and wet. The good Ivan pitied them, climbed the tree, and covered the little ones with his kaftan, a long skirted coat which the Russian peasants and merchants usually wear. The thunderstorm passed by, and a big bird came flying and sat down on a branch near the nest and spoke very kindly to Ivan. Ivan, I thank thee. Thou hast protected my little children from the cold and rain 
and I wish to do something for thee. Tell me, what dost thou wish? Ivan answered, I am not in need. I have everything for my comfort. But teach me the bird's language. Stay with me three days. Thou shalt note all about it. Ivan remained in the forest for three days. He understood well the teaching of the bird and returned home more clever than before. One beautiful day and soon after this, Ivan sat with his parents when the nightingale was singing in his cage. His song was so sad, however so very sad, that the merchant and his wife became sad, and their son, the good Ivan, who listened very attentively, was even more affected, and the tears came running down his cheeks. What's the matter? asked his parents. What are thou weeping about, dear son? Dear parents, answered the son, it is because I understand the meaning of the nightingale song, and because this meaning is so sad for all of us. What then is the meaning? Tell us the whole truth. Do not hide it from us, said the father and mother. Oh, how sad it sounds, replied the son. How much better would it have been to never have been born? Do not frighten us, said the parents, alarmed. If thou dost really understand the meaning of the song, tell us at once. Do you not hear for yourself? The nightingale says, The time will come when Ivan, the merchant's son, shall become Ivan, the king's son, and his own father shall serve him as a simple servant. The merchant, his wife, felt troubled and began to distrust their son, the good Ivan. So one night they gave him a drowsy drink, and when he'd fallen asleep, they took him on a boat to a wide sea, spread the white sails, and pushed him from the boat. For a long time, Ivan danced on the waves and came near a large merchant vessel. A crew on the large vessel saw Ivan and pitied him, so they decided to take him along with them, and they, they did so. High, very high above the sky, they perceived cranes. Ivan said to the sailors, be careful. I hear the birds predicting a storm. Let us enter a harbor or we shall suffer great danger and damage. All the sails will be torn and the masts will be broken. But no one paid attention, and they went farther on. In a short time the storm arose, and the wind tore the vessel almost to pieces, and they had a very hard time to repair all the damage. When they threw with their work, they heard many wild swans flying above them and talking very loud amongst themselves. What are they talking about now? inquired the men, this time with interest. Be careful, advised Ivan. I hear distinctly, understand them, to say that pirates, the terrible sea roberts, are near. If we do not enter a harbor at once, they will imprison and kill us. The crew quickly obeyed this advice, and soon as the vessel entered the harbor, the pirate boats passed by, and the merchants saw them capture several unprepared vessels. When the danger was over, the sailors, the sailors with Ivan went farther, still farther. Finally, the vessel anchored near a town, large and unknown to the merchants. A king ruled in that town who was very much annoyed by three black crows. These three crows were all the time perching near the window of the king's chamber. No one knew how to get rid of them, and no one could kill them. The king ordered notices to be placed at crossings in all prominent buildings, saying that whoever was able to relieve the king from the noisy birds would be rewarded by obtaining the youngest Korolevna, the king's daughter, for a wife.
but the one who should have the daring to undertake but not succeed in delivering the palace from the crows would have his head cut off. Ivan attentively read the announcement once, twice, once more. Finally, he made the sign of the cross and went to the palace. He said to the servants, Open the window and let me listen to the birds. The servants obeyed and Ivan listened for a while. And then he said, Show me to your sovereign king. When he reached the room where the king sat in a high, rich chair, he bowed and said, There are three crows, a father crow, a mother crow, and a son crow. The troubles that they desire to obtain thy royal decision as to whether the son crow must follow his father or whether his mother crow. The king answered, the son must follow the the father crow. As As soon as the king announced his royal decision, the crow father with the crow son went one way and the crow mother disappeared the other way. And no one has heard the noisy bird since. The king gave one half of his kingdom and his young Korolevna to Ivan, and a happy life began for him. In the meantime, his father, the rich merchant, lost his wife, and by by and by his fortune also. There was no one left to take care of him, and the old men went begging under the windows of charitable people. He went from one window to another, from one village to another, from one town to another, from white And one bright day he came from a palace where Ivan lived, begging humbly humbly for charity. Ivan saw him and recognized him, ordered him to come inside and gave him food to eat, and also supplied him with good clothes, asking questions. Dear old man, what can I do for thee? he said. If thou art so very good, answered the poor father, without knowing he was speaking to his own son, let me remain here and serve thee among thy faithful servants. Dear, dear father, exclaimed Ivan, thou didst doubt the true song of the nightingale, and now thou seest the fate was to meet according to the predictions of long ago. The old man was frightened and knelt before his son, but as Ivan remained the same good son as before, took his father lovingly into his arms, and together they wept over their sorrow. Several days passed by, and the old father felt courage to ask his son, the Korolevich, Tell me, my son, how is it that thou didst not perish in the boat? Ivan Korovalich. Korolevich laughed gaily. I presume he answered that it was not my fate to perish at the bottom of the wide sea, but my fate was to marry the Korolevna, my beautiful wife, and to sweeten the old age of my dear father. So again, here's this, this story, the language of the birds, an old Russian folk tale um, about wisdom being gathered by, you know, a good deed and then repaid by the gift of a bird to teach Ivan uh, these lang- the language of the birds, which provides him with, you know, great reward in, in life. So again, it's working with that theme that understanding the language of the birds can give us so much, can uh, give us a fortune, a future. And I really appreciate that notion. I really appreciate that. How can we understand the land better 
and birds being maybe part of that personification of, of, the, of the land around us, the environment around us, the world around us, and maybe understanding the world around us better um, and understanding the wisdom of the land to maybe uh, give us a gift, understanding land as a gift and understanding uh, the land being so bountiful in the gifts it already gives and, and the birds just being the voice, a voice of the land. Just putting it out there, just wondering. I love this. It's it's neat to understand how people have related to the land over time. And I mean, if you're just tuning in, this is called To Know the Land. It's about people's connections to the land base. How do we understand the land? And learning about the language of the birds, birds' song, and and how the birds interact. I could get into augury, you know, deciphering uh, omens from birds, but I, I'm I feel like that's more specific, and I don't want to be too specific. I just like understanding these uh, folkloric understandings. We'll talk about more of the technical science tracking stuff in the future. Maybe I'll read some things from John Young's book, What the Robin Knows. And that's really good stuff, really important. And I like talking about that and understanding bird language is pretty important. Great way to see animals and understand what's going on in your backyard and around your home. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. Check out the website, to knowtheland.com. Email me at toknowtheland at gmail.com if you're interested in any more information or want to be in touch about whatever. Talk to y'all soon.